Hello and welcome back to the Neventoff podcast, an NFL UK podcast brought to you by UK fans for UK fans. Week 9 is now in the books. We had a bunch of good games, a bunch of not so good games, a real mixture this week, mm. I thought. Um, as ever, I'm joined by my co-host Nev. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. You say it very much was a mix this week and this is one of those weird weeks where I think this is the one that had the most teams on a bye, so obviously a lot less games happened, but... Generally, I thought there weren't as many close games as you would have liked. But saying that, there were probably enough good ones to hold you over. And the ones that weren't close were still pretty entertaining. Some good storylines came out of it. So, excited to talk about them. Okay, so we're going to get into a few different ones here. But before we get started, as always, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Neventoft, and send us your mailbag questions to neventoft at gmail.com. So, um, why not start at the end? Let's start with Patriots Packers, which was Sunday night football. Uh, Thirty-one to seventeen was the final score. Uh, Green Bay sort of tried to hang in there. I, I think Rogers' receiving core in this game was terrible. Yeah, um, way too many drops, and it, it really wasn't Rogers' fault at all. He was putting them right on the money. Uh, and Brady, it, it was quite a comfortable game. But the reason we picked this one as, as one to highlight this week is just because both teams are quite interesting in terms of their storyline this season. Um, particularly the Patriots, I have to say, usually I couldn't be bothered with with New England and and the sort of same old, same old, but Brady's coming to the end now and it's interesting to see if he's going to manage to get it done throughout the whole season and make another postseason run. So uh, another good win for them. They go to 7-2 and two, uh, and the Packers are now have a losing record. Three wins, four losses, one draw, which was the one against the Vikings. Um, I mean, so I, I suppose split it up into two. First of all, do you think the Packers are done now this season? Do you think they have any playoff hopes? Uh, and do you think the Patriots are... Um, do you think they have a sort of falsified record at 7-2 and two, or do you think they're really going back to the playoffs and as good as they seem? Yeah, with the Packers, I think I, it's, I, I'm never going to write off Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out of the playoff race until it's a bit more forward than this. I think at 3-4-1, and one, they've put themselves in a pretty tough position because the Bears are 5-3 and three now, the Vikings got another win this week, so they are lagging behind a little bit in that division and they still have to play the Vikings again. I think they still have to play the Bears again at the Bears so well I don't think they're out of it they've definitely put themselves in a tough position and very much now the talk around the Packers is whether Mike McCarthy is going to survive the end of this year if the Packers miss the playoffs or just make the playoffs and then exit early I think Mike McCarthy's been fairly safe for the last few years but the difference now is there's a new GM in there there's a new regime so you'd think they're not going to tolerate any sort of mediocrity there now they'll look for a coach they want a lot of talk I've heard a little bit about is Josh McDaniels potentially wanting to get back in the head coaching search after that debacle he had last year, obviously taking the Colts job and then denying it. And I think very much the Packers would be one of the more appealing jobs for someone like Josh McDaniels to go in with arguably the best QB in the league there, ready to roll for a few more years. But I think the ultimate takeaway I have from this is Aaron Rodgers hasn't been bad per se this season, but if you remember a couple of seasons ago, he went through that weird slump. I think it was towards the end of 2015 and the start of 2016 where people were questioning whether he was done with his athletic peak and whatnot. And then towards 
like during the 2016 season, he very much found his mojo again and came back to the forefront. But to me, Rogers looks like he's in a little bit of that slump. And I'd have to assume it's to do with the fact, as you mentioned, his wide receivers aren't playing particularly well. I think that Valdez Scantling guy has got some good potential, but even he doesn't run the doesn't run the best routes, drops more passes than you'd like. Devontae Adams got completely shut down by Gilmore in this game, so not the most reliable number one receiver type. So it could very well be Rogers just just being frustrated in this offense, therefore not playing up to his full potential. But to me, the ultimate takeaway from this game was Belichick just coached an absolute masterclass along with McDaniels. Brady wasn't exactly on top of his game, but those guys, it it was weird because often you'd expect the team that pulls out a bunch of trick plays and whatnot is like the underdog team that's scrapping for, for stuff. But that was the Patriots in this game. They had the double pass from Edelman down to James White and they had a flea flicker as well in there that went for a big play. And you don't normally expect that out of a surging team like the Patriots, but that's the sort of mentality you want as a great team to always be on your game, always be looking for that little advantage. So massive credit to Belichick and the Patriots coaching staff in this one. And to answer your second question, I think the Patriots are very much for real. I think that offense is one of the best they've had in a few years now, even though Brady didn't have his best game in this game, he did everything he needed to do to pull out the win. And the defense has really stepped up the last few weeks. It's looking like the defense we saw back when they won the Super Bowl with the Seahawks, where it's nothing, it's not going to blow your mind with how special they are, but they make plays when they need to, they bend and they don't break. And those are the sort of things that the Patriots always do when they go to the Super Bowl. So full credit to the Patriots this one. They keep rolling on. And at this stage, I can't really see them not getting the number one seed and the bye unless the Chiefs just keep rolling as they are and just get it there by a better record because obviously the Patriots have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. But more of the same for the Patriots and the Packers now have put themselves in a pretty tough position. So just to add a couple of things into the mix here, do you think... Any of the Aaron Rodgers slump could be to do with the injury. Obviously, we know that when somebody gets injured, it's hard to come back. You spend a lot of time not playing the game and then you have to get back into, you know, dominating for, for, from Aaron Rodgers' perspective. You have to do that extremely quickly. Do you think anything with his injury could be to do with that? It's hard to know, but it's always a possibility. I mean, with the shoulder injury, I haven't really noticed anything with like his arm strength or anything like that that you can notice is still bothering him. But then you never know if like there's just that little bit of pain there where he's not quite up to scratch then obviously the knee injury he suffered earlier on in the season that looked pretty bad and the prognosis wasn't good but he's managed to play through it and while he doesn't look 100% he looks pretty close to that as far as his ability to move around on the knee and whatnot so I, th- I think it's a very fair point and it's very possible that his those things are just lingering a little bit and not allowing him to be a hundred percent, but I think it's hard to know really. I think that combined with frustration with his coaches and frustration with the offense that he's running and the personnel he has is all just sort of melding together to contribute to this sort of, it's a minor slump really. It's nothing to get panicked about if you're the Packers, because I think Rogers has proven he can go through these slumps and then come back out of it again. So it may well be a lost season for the Packers where they miss out on the playoffs and then have to overhaul stuff, but that could very well be beneficial for the future. The thing is with the Patriots as well, something that's been worrying me over the course of the season is Brady doesn't look the same yeah um you know the team looks better around him but he doesn't look quite up to what we've seen from Brady over the last you know however many years but he's just sort of it, it seems like he's missing something that it, that he had before and it doesn't seem the same this season but um I mean with Brady he gets better throughout the season yeah. and then gets even better in the playoffs um so I'm hoping that that's what will happen because you know, obviously 
having a good Patriots team is good for the game because, you know, you always have the Patriots in the championship game and the Super Bowl and then you've got who's going to knock them off, uh, Eagles last year, etc. But um, I'm hoping that it will just be a phase like with Rodgers and both of them will snap out of it because, uh, as they were saying a couple of weeks ago, that that's why they implement these rules to make the game easier on QBs is because fundamentally having good QBs in the game makes the game better to watch because nobody wants to watch shit QBs. So, um, I mean, I think Brady will get better. Um, and if if he gets back up to scratch, I think this team is going to the Super Bowl again, no doubt. Yeah, the thing with Brady is I think he's he's executing fine and he's doing most things right. But what you're saying, and I agree with you, is there isn't that sort of Brady magic this season. And the key to that for me is the fact that a lot of these games he's been in, he's allowed them to be much closer than they should be. Like, for example, this game, the Patriots really dominated them as far as coaching goes. And then they really, this game shouldn't have been particularly close, but it was close for a while. And then the one that really stands out is the Bills game. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, where I think it was like 9-6 going into the half or something. And Part of that is a divisional rivalry 100%. as well. And the Bills, as, as much as their offense is trash, that's still a pretty good defense there. They've proved it in a few games, but you would expect that the Patriots would be able to put that game away much earlier than they did. Obviously, they did go on to win comfortably, but you'd think that would be one where they could put it away nice and early, and they didn't. Whether that's down to Brady slightly underperforming or other factors, it's hard to know, but you're absolutely right. I think we haven't quite seen the magic from Brady yet, but I think we all, most people fully expect that he will come back to it. But I mean, at his age, you've always got to ask that question. Is this a permanent thing now? Is he just gradually declining? I mean, it's going to come at some exactly, point. Exactly, that's I mean, the thing. You know, and it's like, is it this year? I'm inclined to say probably not, but we have to sort of expect that reality to come around at some point, and it very well could be this year. I don't think it is, but he has to prove in the next few weeks of the season leading up to the playoffs and then through the playoffs, obviously, that he still does have that magic, or those questions will certainly start to come up in the off-season. The thing is, I agree with you, but the thing I disagree with is, I don't fundamentally, I don't think Brady has anything more to prove. I, yeah, I don't yeah, think he has sure. to prove anything. I think um, it's more just proving that he's still got it, basically. Yeah, I think, you know... It, if he's not good this year, I think he will just hang it up at the yeah. end of the year. But, I mean, I-, I could see them going to the Super Bowl this year, potentially winning it, and then him coming back next year. And then next year is a whole different debate yeah. about whether he can be good again the following year. But um, I think he's still got it in him for this year. And, and uh, in terms of, you know, saying what you said about having something to prove, I, I just I-, I don't think he has anything to prove. I think he could retire tomorrow and... and um, oh yeah, you yeah. Know, nobody would second Brady, guess him. Brady's that classic sort of. He always has something to prove to himself. Has that massive chip on his shoulder that's never going to be removed. But to me, and I think you probably agree, Brady's the type of guy that he won't settle for mediocrity with himself. So if he feels himself slipping off his high standards, he'll just hang it up. So I think that's probably what will end up happening. Okay, so probably the most surprising result of the week: <laughs> the Saints beat the Rams forty-five thirty-five. Um, so they're. O has got to go. Mm-hmm. They're eight and one now. Um, Saints are seven and one. What did you think about this one? Yeah, it was the sort of this was the battle for supremacy of the NFC. Who was going to be like the team to beat in the NFC? And I've been saying it all along this season that there's just this sort of boring repetition about the Rams, where 
they put up 30 plus points and win by a touchdown or more. Didn't happen in this game because the Saints were just excellent. And this was the case of two elite teams going at each other. And I think ultimately the difference in these sort of games comes down to home field advantage. Saints jumped out to a big lead in this one. And I think it was going into the half. They were up by sort of 14 or something like that. Michael Thomas absolutely balled out again. 211 yards and a touchdown I think he had. But to me, this game very much proved that the Rams are for real, despite the fact that they lost by 10. Because they put themselves in that big hole but coming out of the second half they absolutely smashed the Saints and they came all the way back to tie the game up at one point and then the Saints obviously with Breeze and Sean Payton and the elite weapons they have and for my eye they have the best offensive line in the NFL now as well a group that doesn't get talked about enough but is to my eyes very much clearly the best with the Cowboys not having all their personnel and whatnot so I think the Saints just proved as I expected they would this year that they are one of the elite teams they're right in that sort of elite class I think I would say there's probably four teams in the elite class two from each conference at this point so they weathered the storm that the Rams put on them and the Rams really did put a storm on them I thought Jared Goff was absolutely sensational in the second half the Rams were just doing everything they wanted both sides of the ball the Saints couldn't get anything going but then in the fourth quarter Drew Brees did what Drew Brees does and they just pulled away at the end to claim it so it's a classic example of a game where no one's really a loser in this one no one's stock goes too far down both teams are incredibly impressive and they're both clearly two elite teams in the NFC uh interesting talking point here from the Saints um just for this year who would you take as a sort of trio if you like Breeze, Kamara and Michael Thomas or Mahomes, Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt? I'd take the Chiefs guys personally because I think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league through nine weeks. I think all this chat about Breeze as the MVP frontrunner is nonsense, quite frankly. Patrick Mahomes is lapping the field as far as I'm concerned. To me, I think Patrick Mahomes this season is the best player in the NFL. Tyreek Hill... I think Michael Thomas is really good, but I think Tyreek Hill can do more with his physical ability. And then Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara, I'd probably give the edge slightly to Alvin Kamara just because he's a little bit more dynamic. But Kareem Hunt has been absolutely amazing this season. So to me, it mostly comes down to the fact that I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player out of all six of those guys you mentioned. And then Tyreek Hill is slightly better than Michael Thomas and that offsets Kamara and Hunt for me. So, yeah, I'd take the Chiefs guys, I think. Okay, so speaking of the Chiefs, we're going to talk about their game, uh, 37-21 against the Browns. Uh, We're not going to talk about it so much from the Browns' perspective, but just um, sort of following on from probably, I would say, one of, if not the most interesting storyline in the NFL this season is the Chiefs. Um, And it's probably the question that's been on my mind the most this season is how much of this hot start for Kansas City is to do with Andy Reid um, and his, you know, notorious early season, first half of the season game planning? And how much is it to do with the new QB, uh, Pat Mahomes, meshing with the offence and making it unbeatable? Uh, Because obviously... If you go with the Andy Reid side, we're going to start to see them tail off. You yeah. know, if if that's the philosophy that you you buy into, that it's Andy Reid and um, pretty much any decent QB could do this with his system, um, then we're going to see the Chiefs start to lose some games here in the next few weeks. Uh, if you think it's Pat Mahomes, then the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. You know, it's it's whichever one yeah. you're going to buy into. Where do you stand on I'm, this? One? I'm putting most of the stock into Patrick Mahomes at this point, just because I think 
Andy Reid, while he's one of those guys that's always innovating and changing stuff up, it is still Andy Reid in there, and he's doing what Andy Reid does. He's a genius offensive mind. He always comes up with these great game plans, regardless of the slumps they've normally had. But the difference this year is Patrick Mahomes, as far as I'm concerned. And yes, people will say, well, Alex Smith went 8-0 and with the Chiefs a couple of years ago, blah, blah, blah. But it's just different. And I think if you watch the Chiefs play this year, it's easy to see that it's just different this year. Having Patrick Mahomes allows them to do so much more with the offense. They're constantly threatening every part of the field. And I think the problems the Chiefs had with their slumps is the fact that Alex Smith wasn't good enough for them to keep expanding their offense and keep putting this major pressure on NFL defenses. Eventually, defenses would figure out what they're trying to do. Knows the lim- They know the limitations of Alex Smith and they can sort of work their game plans around that and eventually slow them down once Andy Reid has maybe used up all his fresh new ideas for the season. Whereas with Patrick Mahomes, he's just so physically gifted that there's really no way to do that. It's hard to really adapt to stop Patrick Mahomes because there's nothing he can't do as a quarterback. He's got one of the biggest arms, if not the biggest in the NFL. He's extremely athletic he's big he's strong he's extremely accurate he just does everything and then he has that amazing supporting cast around him where they're a bit they're a bit deeper than they've been the offensive line's playing really well so to me you have to give a slightly more credit to Patrick Mahomes but that's taking nothing away from Andy Reid either who is probably the coach of the year up to this point and he's done a fantastic job so I guess we'll find out in the next few weeks because obviously the question is will the Chiefs with Andy Reid slump at some point and if we start to notice a bit of that slump then maybe we have to reevaluate a little bit but to me Patrick Mahomes is so good that he sort of covers up for any of those issues uh, I mean it, it will be very interesting to see but yeah. um, the the other possibility that it's a bit of both oh you yeah know, it always you, is you've got an, a, a better Chiefs team because of Patrick Mahomes you've still got Andy Reid there um, doing what Andy Reid does starting the season off very well um, but we could sort of see them not tail off but slow down um, just because Andy Reid's game planning becomes less effective later in the season Uh, I mean that's one of the most notorious things in the NFL is is Andy Reid's hot start Uh, it's really been for the last sort of five years in a row um, just because that's what he's good at if you give him the time to prepare you you came up with that stat a few weeks ago about Andy Reid after buys yeah Um, just never loses yeah you know if if you give him enough time to prepare and game plan he's going to beat you almost every time so um, it will be very interesting to see how that Chiefs team performs in the yeah, weeks and to ju- come. Yeah I and mean, quickly on the Browns we should at least talk about the fact that Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley were both fired from the Browns so we talked about the Packers job potentially opening up and that being a pretty ap- attractive job but most people agree that the Browns job is one of the more attractive in the NFL at this point because you have Baker Mayfield you have a GM that's already got a good draft class in there and they're sort of stacking up some good talent so I mean we expected this I thought it would probably come earlier in the season but they had a fairly decent start to it but it was inevitable that Hugh Jackson was going to go and I think the candidates will be lining up around the corner for this sort of job so if you're a Browns fan you've got to hope that they finally turn the corner with a guy like Baker Mayfield and they can start propelling this franchise into the future again I mean I expected it with Hugh Jackson I thought Hugh Jackson should have gone you know 12 months ago yeah. but I mean <clears throat> Todd Haley I didn't expect that was that was a surprise yeah I, I thought Todd Haley was going to take over mm. in, in Cleveland but, but now we've, um, got, we've got the bounty hunter Greg Williams in there now yeah I, I mean I, I really don't think it was a good move to get rid of Haley I, I thought he, I, I still do think he's one of the better offensive minds in football. Yeah, he won't struggle um, for work. And, and I think you know he would have done a good job mm. being the new coach of Cleveland. And um, if not, they should have kept him in there as the coordinator. Yeah, I think I think what it probably was is there was sort of some.
some internal discord there. There was sort of a fracture in the offensive room, at least, between Jackson and Haley. And I guess Dorsey and the owner were probably just like, fuck it, we'll just completely cleanse the whole toxic offensive room and get some new people in there. But I agree with you. I would have just got rid of Hugh Jackson because that would have probably solved the issue and then keep Todd Haley on as well. But the Browns aren't known for making the best decisions, and you've got to hope that... I mean, this isn't a great decision, but I don't think it's going to affect them long term. So hopefully they're set up well for the future now. Okay, so two more that we want to talk about. Firstly, again, it's going to be a one-sided discussion, really. The Bears beat the Bills 41-9. to um, I mean, just to say quickly, the Bills are finished this season. Yeah, um, they're terrible. Uh, worst team in the NFL for my money, particularly they've got, when... They've got some competitors these days, though. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd still give it to the, the Bears. The Raiders are up there as well, yeah, but Raiders, I, I think Giants. the Bills um, take the cake for me. But um, the the Bears really is what we want to talk about. Uh, how legit are this team? Uh, they're they're uh, topping the NFC North at the moment. Um, they're, they're winning games. Khalil Mack added some venom into that pass rush. Uh, how good are they? Yeah, I mean, especially because I don't think Max played the last two weeks because of that ankle injury, and they've still managed to be pretty good, which we thought their defense was going to be good anyway with, before they even got Khalil Max. so that's no major surprise. But I think, I mean, you have to consider the Bears at least a wild-card contender at this point, with at 5-3 and three leading the division, as you said. I wouldn't expect them to hold on to the lead in the NFC North just because I think the Vikings are too good and the Packers aren't completely out of it at this point. So, But, I mean, I give the Bears a lot of credit. I think Matt Nagy's done a really good job with that offense. The problem problem is they're still a little bit inconsistent on offense with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, they have a game like this where they put up 41 points and to his credit, I think we sort of slaughtered Trubisky a bit a couple of weeks ago and he has played a little bit better since then. To be fair, it's not just doing everything with his legs. He is throwing the ball a bit better here. So credit there where it's due. But yeah, I mean, it's the inconsistency that worries me with the Bears. I mean, I heard someone mention the point. It was a Bears fan who's like an NFL pundit in America was talking about how this is destined to be that sort of sort of positive but also very frustrating but necessary nine and seven season on your developmental road where you're like you're not quite there but there's the signs that you're getting there sort of season and that's what it seems like for the Bears because they haven't managed to completely put it together yet they still have the odd game like the Dolphins game where they just completely melt down at the end and give away a free one to the Dolphins so they're still liable for those sort of weird crazy losses in there but they're also really dangerous their personnel's really good I think I think Ryan Pace the GM has done a great job in stacking that team with good talent sort of like the titans where they've managed to sort of build around a qb and they can win in spite of their qb if they need to just by stacking talent on both sides of the ball so they've done a good job on that front and i think it's too early to say like the bears are quote unquote for real as far as they're a proper contender yet but wouldn't surprise me one bit if they managed to sneak into the wild card race and at least make it tough for someone in a get in a wild card playoff game so that's where i see the bears are now they're definitely on the right path assuming trubisky keeps improving which is ultimately what it comes down to because if he plays as bad as he's played at some points this season then it's just going to be that constant frustration where they'll sort of turn into the cowboys of a few years ago where it's just sort of seven and nine eight and eight nine and seven in rotation and in perpetuity there so a lot of positive signs for the bears but i don't think they're quite there yet uh, the thing that worries me about chicago and i have to be brutally honest is that um i, I I think the team's going in the right direction, but what worries me is that they're going to turn into another Miami where they might get in there now and again yeah. and here and there. And why is that? Because fundamentally of the QB. the QB. You know, Trubisky strikes me from what I've seen, and I still think he has some improving to potentially do if he's got his head to the grindstone and he's doing it properly. But um, to me, he strikes me as another Ryan Tannehill who's mm. 
good, but not good enough. Yeah, always flashes a little bit of ability, but can never quite put it together. You know, yeah. like you you have the elite pass rusher in Khalil Mack. The Dolphins had Cameron Wake, and they had Sue and everything, and they had the pieces there. I'm sorry to say for the Dolphins, I feel it's too late now. I think you have to go into rebuild mode if yeah. you want to start I think, I think again. the Dolphins have been in sort of a quasi-rebuild the last few years, getting rid of these old players. They now have a really young, promising team. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Dolphins have been sort of rebuilding on the down low for the but last back couple in, of years. Back in the time when they signed Sue to that contract, yeah. they were in a win-now mode. Yeah. They were trying to get everything, and they were like, we believe in Tannehill, we got Landry, and then they went out and got a Jai in the draft, and they got Sue in. And, and it looked like, and then it was like, if Ryan Tannehill can play better, then and maybe. I, I, but I believe yeah, there was right. a period where they had uh, Olivier Vernon and Danikin Sue and Cameron Wake on the yeah. defensive line, um, you know, and they always had Rashad Jones back there. They had a good team, and they suffered from not having the QB who can get it done when it matters the most and, and that's yeah, what I worry Adam about Gates, the they didn't have the coaching either so that, it just was a step away and the, I agree with you I think the Bears that's sort of like worst case scenario for the Bears I think they're too good to be like genuinely a bad team I think they're too talented but yeah the sort of that really horrible place to be in the NFL where you're just like there but not quite there and you're just never really sure what's going to happen year to year you might make the playoffs and whatnot so yeah I think that's worst case scenario for the Bears best case scenario is Trubisky makes a leap at some point or as you would probably like them to do the GM just gets super ballsy and they just go with a completely new QB when no one's really expecting it and then that sort of transports them into the next stage of their development so that sort of thing could happen but it's in the NFL most GMs are cowards and they don't do that sort of thing so but yeah I agree with you with the Bears see that that that's sort of what I like about the Raiders this season is yeah. that they, oh, they, yeah. they've given up and they, they literally have given up. Fully, and I, and I, I feel like they're tanking this season, yeah. like properly tanking to tanking. get the number one pick. Um, but they, they've done it in a way where they're like, look, we've got John Gruden. We're sticking by that's, him. That, that's the diff- Sorry to cut you off, but that's the difference is they have John Gruden for 10 years. They can't get out of that contract. So Gruden was like, all right, fine. I have all the power and just fire sales everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, as Kanye West once said, no one man should have all that power. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I mean, you know, with, with the Raiders, they're getting rid of all their players. Um, and, and John Gruden has, has truly got the reins in that franchise to go out and um, obviously he'll have people to answer to, the GM, etc., as to who he's going to be drafting. But I feel like he will be the major voice in the Raiders' war room come draft time. 100%. Uh, and he's going to build this team. Uh, I really wouldn't be surprised who they got rid of. I feel like oh, yeah. no, nobody is safe in Oakland. Um, it sounds like from insiders and people who know that Derek Carr is safe because I think the word is that Gruden does like Derek Carr. But again, if it come midway next year, if they're still absolute dog shit, then yeah, maybe he fire sales Derek Carr as well. Yeah, I mean, so I'm excited about Oakland and, and the mm. point being that that's what they're doing, whereas the Bears, I feel like they've start, they, they've attempted to do it with Trubisky, fair enough, uh, and then you've got the fast-forwarded version of the Dolphins that have just refused to do it for five or six years. And refu- finally did it. And, and, well, I mean, not so much. They're still sticking by their old guns. They got Yeah, if the, the Tannehill thing is where you're right. If they, if they keep sticking with Tannehill, then they'll keep being stuck in this annoying cycle. But if they commit to sort of 
drafting the QB of the future with the young team they have, then that's when it should start to change around, yeah. All right, so last one to talk about. The Falcons have won three straight. They beat the Redskins 38-14. Uh, to 14. Uh, I feel like both teams are worthy of talking about mm. here, just the Falcons, because um, obviously we haven't spoken about them in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> we, the, we buried them a exactly. few weeks ago. Uh, we, we, we put them to rest. We said, you know, season over for the Falcons. Yeah. They're one and four. That's it for them. Uh, they've won three straight. Um, I, I suppose my question is, are you changing your tune? I'm changing my tune on the Falcons as a team. I think they've shown in these past three wins that, yeah, Matt Ryan's been balling out all season long, and this is no surprise, and the offense hasn't slowed down one bit. But the defense has really started to turn it around, which is surprising because of all the injuries they had. And, I mean, now they just signed Bruce Irvin, who got released by the Raiders, so that's some help in that D-line. The D-line's been playing really well, and they possibly get Deion Jones back in a couple of weeks as well, which is massive for them. He's their best defensive player. So all of a sudden, sitting at 4-4, four and four, I still think it's going to be really tough for the Falcons, but that's only because of the division they're in. But towards the end of the season, all of those three teams, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons, have to play each other like they did at the end of last season. So if the Falcons can keep winning and get to that end of season and be close enough where those games will matter, specifically against the Panthers, then, yeah, the Falcons are in with a shot here. I mean, I think it's it's basically, they're out of the division race. I think the Saints have almost basically wrapped that one up at this point. But, I mean, fair play to the Falcons. I think Steve Sarkeesian deserves a ton of credit this season, a guy who got slated last season for his poor offensive coordinator play but I think this season he's really started to get a bit more creative and everyone's buying into his ideas a bit more so again that credit goes to Dan Quinn as well for taking the gamble on a guy like Steve Sarkeesian who had no NFL experience into the coming into last season so yeah I mean full credit to the Falcons I really like watching this team play we buried them a few weeks ago but that wasn't to do with not liking the Falcons I'm a huge fan of the Falcons and I really hope they can continue this momentum get Deion Jones back and then make that late push for the playoffs even if they don't get it you'd consider this season a win for the Falcons if they manage to finish 9-7, and 10-6 and six and just miss out on the playoffs and something like that because to weather what they've had to weather is the sign of a really tough and mentally strong team and I think that's a lot of credit goes to the Falcons. Okay, so um, you put together a top five power rankings um, this week so we'll just run through them quickly. Number five, you've got the Chargers. Yep. Um, why, why are they five? Just I just love what the Chargers have been doing here and it came down between the Chargers and the Panthers, thought about the Steelers as well but I just think what the Chargers have done, I think they've won six straight now since losing their opening two, and they just keep destroying people, really. I mean, I mean, apart from the Niners game where it was fairly close, I mean, the Seahawks are nothing to laugh at here in the CenturyLink field as well. The Seahawks have been playing really well recently, and the Chargers went in there and just completely handled them. It was a really comfortable win for them, and they just handled their business really well. They keep surging on. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl at the start of the season. Wasn't looking so good at the start of the season, but they're really starting to turn it around, and I definitely think they're one of the five best teams. Okay, so Patriots at number four. Yeah, this one... Part of me wants to put them up a notch just because they're the Patriots, but I just think the three teams above them are really the cream of the crop in the NFL, and the Patriots are right there as well. So I think other than number one, you could put two, three, and four in any real order here, but beating a good Packers team with Aaron Rodgers there I think is a testament to how well the Patriots have played. The win over the Chiefs certainly helps as well. So I think you could put them at four or three, but I think that's about where they belong. And then three, you've got the Rams. Two, you've got the Chiefs. One, the Saints. Um, why are the Saints at number one? 
just simply because they beat the Rams. I had the Rams at number one last week when I was putting this sort of thing together. And then the Saints go out and beat the Rams by 10 points. And that was pretty simple to me. Just flip those two. I don't think the Chiefs deserve to go down a spot based on what two other teams did. So it was fairly simple for me. The Saints were three. The Rams were one. Saints beat the Rams. So just flip them. Um, okay, I mean, so halfway as well through the season, this is your halfway power rankings. Um, just a quick sort of playoff predictor. Um, you've obviously got, in your top four, you've got two AFC teams, two NFC teams. Um, so, I mean, are you sort of picking them as your championship teams as well? Or, yeah, or would I think you sort of reconsider? they're very much the, the upper class of the NFL at this point. They're the four elite teams, like they're tier one. And then there's a slight drop off to tier two where you have guys like Chargers, Panthers, Steelers, maybe you could slip the Ravens in there, but Vikings. they've fallen off. Of, yep, Vikings as well. That's where those teams sort of come into it. But for me, those top four teams are the bye teams as far as I'm concerned in the playoffs. So I, I can't imagine that's going to change just because they've all got such good records as well. But so you think we're going to see Chiefs Patriots in the championship game and Rams? Yeah, if I had to put money on it, that's what I'd say. But... I th- just because I think they are a step above the teams below them. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers pulled off an upset somewhere in the playoffs or if the Steelers pulled off an upset somewhere in the playoffs. But if I was putting money down, I'd be pretty confident that Chiefs-Patriots, it depends. It's hard to know whether it's going to be in Arrowhead or in Gillette. But yeah, I guess either way, I think that's probably going to be your championship game. So, I mean, we did a sort of playoff predictor back um, yeah. back in the summer. Uh, and I believe you picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. I had the Eagles. The Eagles yeah. winning again. Um, so, I mean, who are you picking halfway through the season to win the Super Bowl? Right now, I'd probably pick the Rams against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And then I, it's, it's so impossible to pick that game. But I'd go with the Chiefs just because I slightly prefer them, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably have to go with the Patriots at this point. Yeah. Because I do think Brady's going to get better. And, it's a fair shot. I think um, it comes down to whoever gets home field advantage, basically, between the Chiefs and the Patriots. I mean, we've seen him beat the Chiefs this season. Yeah. already. In, um, that was in Foxborough to be fair. And then against the Rams I think the Rams against teams that have sort of game planned for them effectively and have elite coaching like Mike Zimmer uh, last season when yeah. the Rams played Mike Zimmer that they lost. Close game this year as um, well. Yeah. yeah and, and a good uh, and the Patriots are even better than that yeah. in terms of coaching and game planning. I, I couldn't back the Rams to mm. beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl uh, and the Saints um, possibly that they could come out on top but I, you know I, 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 I fancy the Patriots this year. Yeah with those four teams I think they're so good that I can only see them beating each other I find it hard to believe that other teams not in those in that group of four are good enough to beat those teams okay so let's go to our weekly awards um the Nathan Peterman award um this is the the third weekly Nathan Peterman award <laughs> awarded to the player who uh, had the worst performance of the week in our eyes and we've given it to Sam Darnold this yeah, week it, it feels a bit harsh obviously because it's a rookie QB it sounds like he was playing through an injury as well but in the spirit of the Nathan Peterman award it generally goes to the guy who just turns nah, the ball over. Him, he, was was he was shit, to be fair, yeah. It's the guy who just turns the ball over a whole bunch of times and four interceptions against a Miami defense that was really slumping the previous weeks but stepped up this week, I think. Unfortunately for the Jets and Sam Darnold, because I do like Darnold as a player, but he's really hit the rookie wall now and he's regressing a little bit. So well, Two of them were just absolute oh, was, dolly most, picks. Most of them were garbage. The one to TJ McDonald was absolutely awful. Just threw it straight to him. The one to Baker for the pick six was terrible as well. And the other two, weren't that much better but 
I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise that it sounds like Donald's going to be out a few weeks so McCown can get in there, settle it down, maybe get a win or two out of it and then Sam Donald could come back in a slightly better situation, hopefully get his mind right with a bit of time off because I do think Sam Donald is good and he will be good but hit a really bad stretch here and when you throw four picks, unfortunately, you're almost guaranteed to get the Nathan Peterman Award. So uh, you pounded the table this week for the Plaxico Burris Award, um, the team and or player that shot themselves in the foot the most uh, and you said we had to give it to Jermaine Whitehead yeah with the lack there weren't any like like play wise obvious candidates for the Plaxico Barres award but when I was watching Sunday Night Football and I saw this go down I mean I it simply had to be Jermaine Whitehead just for I mean if it was last week it would have been Ty Montgomery for a very similar thing but what happened was David Andrews I think there was a bit of after the whistle scuffling at the end of a play and then Jermaine Whitehead being the obviously intelligent and level-headed player that he is decides to just open hand slap David Andrews on the helmet to his credit wasn't as stupid as those guys that decide to punch people in the helmet or if you're Brian Cushing to headbutt someone in the helmet without a helmet on that's like next level stupid as far as the NFL goes because you're not going to do any damage to them and you're probably going to badly hurt your hand or your head so if any good can come out of this at least he just decided to open hand slap him but the product of that was was ejected from the game and was immediately cut by the Packers the day after so had a pretty rough Sunday if you're Jermaine Whitehead and it was basically all self-inflicted so that's really I mean this as, as long as we've been doing these awards, this one really typifies the spirit of the Plaxico Yeah, Barris I mean, that, that's about as bad uh, as it gets. You, you stupid, slap, stupidity. slap a bloke in the face and then get cut. Like, that's about as bad as your... That's a bad That's weekend. rock bottom right yeah. there for Jermaine Whitehead. So, uh, well-deserved. Um, and do you think possibly the last time he'll ever be mentioned on this show? I think he's pretty young. So, I mean, oh, yeah, as far as on the show, I can't imagine we'll ever speak about him again. But I think he'll probably be back in the NFL at some point. Okay, so The Onion, uh, underrated performance. Um, this one's a bit borderline because yeah. it was uh, it was flamboyant. Ten sacks for the Vikings' defence. Um, so, I mean, that must have drawn some looks in terms of people paying attention to it. But, um, I mean, if you had to single somebody out, surely you'd go for Tom Johnson with three sacks. Um, I mean, obviously, Hunter had three and a half, but Hunter is a sort of more well-known yeah, player. Yeah, leading the He's NFL in sacks as well. Tom Johnson to have three sacks as a sort of, um, I mean, written off, bum yeah, defensive, yeah, tackle, defensive is, tackle is fantastic and good on him. Uh, but the Vikings defence as a whole, underrated performance because people have sort of given up on them as the elite defence this year. Um, but I feel like they showed that they've still got it there. That's the key, week. yeah, because a lot of, some people would say, like, if you haven't been paying attention as much this season, like, how can the Vikings defence be an underrated unit? But the logic behind it for us was the fact that with the likes of the Chiefs, the Rams, Patriots and the Saints taking like all the attention of the media, teams like the Vikings who aren't necessarily at that elite level so far this season have slipped under the radar a little bit. People have written off their defence and yeah, especially for Tom Johnson, a guy who was cut but all I don't know if he was cut or just didn't re-sign with the, with the Vikings in the offseason, went to the Seahawks, was cut by the Seahawks, was re-signed by the Vikings. For that guy to come out and have three sacks in a game is a really good, is a really special thing to do and perfectly typifies what we're looking for for the Onion here. Daniil Hunter's really where it gets borderline because for guys like us and you being a Vikings fan and whatnot and us being like deep into the NFL, obviously we know who Daniil Hunter is. We've known about him for a few years, how good he is. But for your everyman casual fan out there, you may not know 
about Daniil Hunter as sort of this elite player that he has now risen into. I think we've been waiting for it to happen for the last two years. Finally, he's now hit that sort of the apex of his career now. I think he'll go on and continue to be like a defensive player of the year candidate. I think through nine weeks, he's got 11 and a half sacks. So God knows how many he'll he'll have by the end of the season. I think you mentioned Stephen Weatherly, who's been really good this season in, abs- in the absence of Everson Griffin filling in there. Who's got now a sack. back. Yeah, who's now back. Well, Everson Griffin got two sacks. Weatherly got another sack, carrying on a really nice season for him. And then Mackenzie Alexander, a guy who gets pretty badly slated for his coverage abilities. He's not as bad as everyone says he is. He also chips in with a sack. So just a really good all-round effort with some nice under-the-radar performances from the Vikings defense. So, I mean, we gave them the Onion Award. Um, They could equally have had the next award that we give out, which is the Bryant McKinney. Um, for the team with the most just dominant train running performance of the week. Uh, it was 34-3. to The Niners beat the Oakland Raiders. Um, and it was just all Niners all day, uh, just going to town on the Oakland Raiders. Um, I mean, that really didn't get a look in. Uh, so they get the Bryant McKinney this week. Yeah, it's, it's as obvious as it gets with this one. The, the 49ers roll in with... I don't even know if he was drafted, their QB, Nick Mullins. Everyone's saying, oh, the Raiders finally have a chance to Who's win. Who's now my new favourite player in the he, NFL, he might, the Yeah, way. he's up there for me as well. One of the real highlights of the last couple of weeks has been Nick Mullins. So, But, I mean, for the Raiders, it's just... I mean, we've sort of been a bit more positive about the Raiders just because we have the long-term perspective in there because it's so obvious that they just don't give a shit about this season and they're all about getting to Vegas and building a team to be good when they move to their new stadium and whatnot. But as sort of a week-to-week proposition, it's it's just hard to watch the Raiders at this point. And to go in there against a guy like Nick Mullins, I think it was at the Raiders as well. So to lose a home game 34-3 to against a completely unheralded player and a 49ers team who aren't particularly good without Jimmy Garoppolo in there is highly embarrassing on a week-to-week basis. But as we keep saying, if you keep the long-term perspective there, then you just write this season off as a Raiders fan and wait till the next one. If you're an Oakland fan, then that's probably not going to be great because they're going to suck for a couple of years and then take the team away from Oakland into Vegas. So just all around negativity around the Raiders organization at this point. And this Bryant McKinney award hopefully will give them a bit of respite. The fact that they did win some sort of award you'd hope would make them feel a little bit better as long as they don't listen to what the award actually means. Yeah, I mean, from the perspective of, of the Niners and particularly Nick Mullins, I mean, he was just out. He looked like Otto Graham out there. He was all over the place, just throwing darts. He ended with 262 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, and he just brought everybody out into into the playbook, um, getting people like George Kittle involved, who had over 100 yards receiving. Um, Richie James, you know, it, he looked. Like oh yeah, he, him. I, I mean, you. He, he looked like he was having fun out there, um, and I really like the kid. And obviously, he had that. Um, uh, that speech in the locker room afterwards that sort of went viral on social media saying, you know, said in the preseason, etc. Well, this isn't the preseason. That's why we play the game. And the whole locker room went berserk. Um, that was good to see. I really like the kid. And so obviously our last award is the Fitz Magic Award. Um, we're going to give it to Nick Mullins. Yeah. Uh, as I said, as it stands at the moment, he is my favourite player in the NFL. I love the bloke. Uh, I think he's fantastic. And, and I hope he takes the reins from Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, mean, I, I don't yeah. think 
think Jimmy Garoppolo deserves that much money. This guy's probably on a hundred grand or something stupid. Um, I mean, you know, he he deserves all of the credit he can get, and and I hope him. I, I wish it, wish him the best in the NFL in the future. Yeah, it's like we could have gone for a guy who had a better statistical day, like a Mahomes or a Matt Ryan. But as you said, the story is so cool with this one. It's it's always good to see in the NFL a guy come in and did he blow? Was he like? making amazing throws and whatnot no but he was executing everything perfectly everything that was open he was hitting he made great decisions didn't make any stupid mistakes which is rare to see for someone making their first start in the NFL and then the fact that as you mentioned the speech in the locker room you can see everyone loves him Kyle Shanahan's been raving about him behind the scenes about his ability to learn the playbook his toughness his smarts and all of that stuff so it's a really cool story for the NFL it's the sort of thing you always like and when people often just try and go towards negativity with all the stories in the NFL for something like this to happen is just good positive stuff for the NFL and hopefully as you say I'm rooting for Nick Mullins to do really well through the end of the season and it's always nice to have a bit of QB controversy none of us are 49ers fans here so as far as I'm concerned little unheralded Nick Mullins going up against Jimmy Garoppolo who's on over 100 million on a contract in a training camp battle would be hilarious to watch so good on you Nick Mullins and hopefully you keep it up all right so that's about it for this week a few few highlights we did the power rankings and obviously the the weekly awards um we'll be back next week hope you enjoyed it